Hello, friends. Today's conversation is all about one strong feminist and a bunch of girls determined to live their best life in Morocco. Hey, friends, and welcome to Stark Conversations. Here we will have some bare bones, unavoidable, but necessary discussions. I'm your host, Heather Stark. Friends, for years, I kept my tongue glued to the roof of my mouth so that I could fit society's idea of a pretty, pleasing woman. However, I always felt broken. It wasn't until I was in my 40s that I realized I'm not broken. No one is broken. It's the way the world was built and the oppressive expectations from society that makes us feel broken. At that moment, I realized how important having a voice in space was, how vital feminism, that's right, feminism is to our world. Feminism is the path to advocacy, healing, and equality. Each week, I'm going to bring you a conversation on the importance of feminism, an action-oriented way of life that empowers, raises voices, and welcomes all people. Please like and subscribe anywhere podcasts are played. I would love to be in conversation with you. Welcome back to another Stark Conversation. Today, I am learning about a nonprofit in Morocco called Project SOAR. Project SOAR was started by one of the most easygoing, relaxed women I have ever had the honor of meeting, Miriam Montague. She is charming, she is wise, and she has an eye on humanity and feminism. She talks to me about how she got Project SOAR going, what its impact is, and how feminism is helping the young girls and women in her community. Not only that, she highlights some of the issues that young girls in the area face. Project SOAR may have started in Morocco, but it is now serving girls in Uganda as well as Syria. That's simply amazing and incredibly inspiring. Let me introduce you to my guest. Miriam Montague is an American designer, hotelier, humanitarian, as well as the founder of tribal chic lifestyle brand, M. Montague. She was born in Cairo and has, and as a humanitarian aide, has lived and worked in over 40 countries. Miriam and her architect husband live in Morocco where they designed, built, and decorated a boutique hotel called Peacock Pavilion, a favorite spot for travelers as well as a place to host private retreats such as yoga, photography, art, dance, you name it. A social entrepreneur at heart. In 2013, she founded Project SOAR, a nonprofit organization dedicated to uplifting underprivileged girls in her community through art, design, and movement. Her Sook and Hotel contribute to sourcing Project SOAR, and she is now in the process of expanding the program to new sites. Now, real quick, Miriam is in Morocco. I am on a little island off the coast of Texas, and there are a few times in this episode where the internet tries to get the best of us, but does not succeed. So thank you for your patience on that, and thank you for listening. Friends, I give you the inspiring and uplifting Miriam Montague. Hello, friend. Hello. It is nice How to see you. Nice. How's it going? Good. How are things with you? Good. 
little bit rested after the holidays. So happy about that. I so appreciate you helping me launch this podcast. I just, uh, Jen Har was the first person to tell me about you. And I mean, just your pictures alone are amazing. And then. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. The more I read about what you do, I was like, oh, I kind of, I kind of want to be her friend. So thank you. Well, you know, I feel, I feel lucky to do it and able to do it. So, um, and how awesome that you're launching a podcast. That's like a a big commitment. It is. I'm very excited about it. So I'm excited to talk to you about what you do and how feminism plays a a role in Project Source. So I'm just fab want to start the podcast with what your definition of feminism is and why it's important to you. You know, when it comes to feminism, I take very much a teen girl lens, right? So for me, feminism is all about equal opportunities for for teen girls and teen boys, and really teens of any gender. So it's such a simple definition, which is no one's any better, no one's any worse, but everyone deserves those same rights and opportunities. I love that. And tell me why it's important to you. You know, feminism is really the lens through which I I run my whole life, you know, whether it's as a mom of a daughter and a son, raising them with, you know, equal rights and opportunities in the house, whether it's the way I run my own marriage where my husband's really, you know, my partner and shares very much in parenting, all the household admin, we work together in a job. So it's a very feminist marriage as well. And of course, feminism in terms of the, you know, the way my friendships are structured, the way my job is structured. So it really touches all aspects of my life because I think it's really a very basic right of of equality and and seeing and recognizing people, you know, in in all the rights that they deserve. Yeah. I love that. I love that answer. I love how it goes into the facets of your life. So that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. You live in Morocco. Tell me about yes. your background yes. and how you ended up there. Yes, it's a little bit unusual. So I was actually born not too far from here in Egypt to a mom from Iran and a dad from the U.S. So I think, you know, this part of the world feels very familiar to me. And I've been lucky enough to have worked in international development for my whole career. So I was originally posted to Morocco by the international organization where I worked. And I moved to Morocco sight unseen. And, you know, when I arrived here, it felt so strangely like a, like a familiar place. I think growing up in a bicultural household, you know, meant that so much of the architecture and the design and the food felt so warm and comforting to me. And, you know, I think most people are are born into their cultures, but some people get to choose theirs. And that's really what I did. Yeah, I love that. You got to choose yours. Yes. So you have a boutique hotel. I do. And then you started a nonprofit, correct? Right. Well, so what happened is that we very much wanted 
to to live in Marrakesh. And, you know, lucky for me that um, I didn't marry that tango instructor because my husband is an architect. And so we really set out to build our own place. And the search for that began with searching for just the right piece of land. And in fact, we have a funny episode on House Hunters International that shows our search for our home where we ultimately ended up buying land and building this property. But when we went to buy the land, we were told that we needed to have an investment project. And so we looked at each other because we weren't quite sure what we were going to do. And ultimately we decided that we were going to build a boutique hotel and become social entrepreneurs, meaning the profits that we made, we wanted to be able to channel some into the community where we lived. And that was really the seed of Project SOAR. Okay. So then tell me what Project SOAR is. I mean, I've, I've looked it up. I've talked to people, but from you. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we live in a village that's about 20, 30 minutes out of Marrakesh. And, you know, at the time I had a daughter who was 11 and my thought was, you know, we could be this like big house in this village, or we could figure out a way to be a part of the village. And we could figure out a way for our daughter to have friends here in our own community. And when I looked around, I saw boys everywhere playing soccer, but I so rarely saw girls. And, you know, I, so much of my career background has been in women's rights. And so it wasn't a big pivot for me to think about how could I do something for the girls in this community who seem to just be less visible and to have fewer opportunities? So that was the start of Project Store, which was really an invitation to girls in the community to come and have a bright spot on their Sundays. Where, you know, when we started off really playing sports, doing art, and really listening and learning to girls. And it was through that listening that we realized all of their needs. And it really made us want to deliver a holistic solution to, to teenage girls here in Morocco and to build a curriculum that would be adapted to their very specific needs. What were some of those needs? So Project SOAR, at its heart, it's a 25-workshop feminist curriculum for teen girls, and it's a leadership curriculum. So our mission is to empower teen girls to be the leaders of today and tomorrow. So we take girls on this 25-workshop journey of transformation with us. And so girls learn in these five modules that we have, which are value, voice, body, rights, and path. So they work in groups of 20 and they're led by two feminist women instructors from the communities where they are. And slowly, you know, workshop after workshop, they build their confidence and value. They're really improving their self-esteem and voice. They're really learning how to express themselves, not only at school, but really with their own families and how to negotiate. In body, they learn about their mental health, their physical health, and receive a menstrual solution. 
in rights. They learn about their basic human rights as teen girls. You know, the right to an education, the right to equality, the right to be free from violence and the right to be free from early enforced marriage. And then in our final module, which is PATH, they really choose their goal and develop their individual action plan. So all of these workshops work together to really support the girl to become a leader in her own life, right? To put the girl more firmly in the decision-making at the table, right? Where decisions are not just being made for her, but being made with her. Wow. That is so much. Now, was that a new thoughts to the girls, to their families? Yes, I think it was definitely a new thought. And, you know, when you build as a founder, when you build a solution from the ground up, right, it's one great experiment. <laughs> you know this, right, as an entrepreneur, right? So you are you're experimenting. And our first modules have changed, have pivoted. Now the UN has invested in the modules and it's been further adapted. But I think it was very new for the girls, for their families and for the community um, when we were building this. But I think that the families had been willing to take that risk with us and they've seen how much better their girls do at Project SOAR. And so even though it's a leap of faith, right? And feminism is kind of a, a concept that can make some people feel a little bit nervous. They can see the output and the impact, not only on the girls, but on their own families as the girls really share ideas with their, with their families, with their neighbors, with their communities. That's, and that was my next question is what observations did you make about the impact that you were having with the girls and the community? Well, I think, first of all, we really were very much a data-driven organization. So we were really tackling a few key problems that we were seeing. So one was keeping girls in school, where there's a very high dropout rate, especially for girls in rural areas. And the second was addressing all of the problems that girls are having with period poverty. So the girls that we work with are living on less than a dollar a day. So very often their families just don't have the funding, right, to provide menstrual products for them. And so that means very often they can't go to school. So that was another key piece to the solution. And then the third piece was really tackling child marriage. So one, approximately one in six girls in Morocco is married under age. Um, so we wanted to be able to impact each of these elements, right? help keep girls in school, and we have a very low dropout rate from school, really be able to give girls a menstrual solution. And our data shows that 99% of our girls use it and to really tackle child marriage. And less than 1% of SOAR girls get married under age, even though they live in communities where very often a huge number of girls are getting married under age. So We've really been able to make an impact on those girls, on their families, and, you know, directly in their communities. Yeah. When you say underage, are we talking below the age of 18 or even lower than that? Well, so the official age in Morocco is 18. But the thing about the way the Moroccan law is set up is that there is no lowest age. So there's no, there's a, you know, 
theoretically, you could get married if you were nine, if you could get the judge to agree. So this is so important. And there's, so even though the law says girls should not be married under age, there are then articles that say, accept, 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 accept. And when families go to the family courts to request child marriage, the majority of those requests are, are given. And many, the majority on that same day. So this is a real issue, issue for girls. And those loopholes leave girls extremely vulnerable to child marriage. And if the girl says no, but the family says yes, and the family gets permission, she's getting married. Yes. Well, I think that it's not, I mean, there should be protections to, for the girl. So theoretically, right, the girl should be asked in private, does she really want to get married? Right. And actually the law stipulates that there should be a research into the situation of the request, you know, really a, a medical examination, but very often those things just don't happen. And it's very intimidating for a girl because the majority of these marriages are arranged marriages, right? So this is not a request by the girl to get married. This is an arranged marriage by the family. And I understand that that's, that's also similar in the Iranian culture where there's many families where the families are so involved in the decision-making around marriage. So this is not something that's unique to Morocco at all. In a traditional marriage setting, arranged marriages are, are really common. And so, it, but it means that especially if you're a child, your voice is even softer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very much so. Um, there, there was several years ago, I was in India and that was one at a girl's home. And that was one of the things was, you know, when they come here, they're not going to get married <laughs> because yeah. they're at home and they're, they're um, being educated and you, the decisions and the opportunities are open for them. So that's exactly, amazing. exactly. And in fact, the data shows that girls who stay in school are three times less likely to become child brides. So school's a very protective environment for girls. And in fact, so we require teen girls, all of the sword girls to stay in school and their parents sign a pledge that they will keep them in school. Yeah, love that. So you've mentioned the uh, menstruation packets. Tell me what's yes. in that. So we are so lucky to partner with an amazing company called B Girl, and who I think I think Diana Sierra, who runs that, who's the founder of that, would also be an amazing guest for your podcast. She's like a true feminist. She's developed a solution, which is menstrual underwear made specifically for girls in the global south, and we are lucky enough to be part of her pilot in the region when she first was developing her products. And that is what we provide girls. So the, this is quick drying, leak proof, shame free menstrual underwear that you know dries in two hours, is super comfortable and it really helps set girls up so they can feel comfortable when they have their periods. There's no problem going to school. 99% of the Project Store girls use it. It's um, they love it. And Project Soar also runs 
a movement here in Morocco partnering with the UNFPA for menstrual rights. So we're all about menstrual mainstreaming, menstrual budgeting, really a consideration of, you know, there's, there's a lack of, this is where feminism is so important, right? I often say, if boys had periods, these products would be free, right? This is a basic health issue for, you know, approximately 50% of the population. So it's a very important feminist issue. And we are fighting for menstrual rights, not just for the sore girls, but for all teen girls in Morocco. Yeah, it, it's amazing. I um, When I speak to parents about girls and getting ready to go through puberty, I'm like, dads, periods equal people. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's got to, the silence makes it feel taboo, you know, yeah, we've had periods since the dawn of time. We've we've got to start talking about it and start stop thinking about oh, it's only for girls to talk about with their moms, or you just need to read about it in a pamphlet because it's just so amazing that people just shy away from that subject. You know? And- no, absolutely, absolutely. In my own family, I have a relative who said that he would never buy. Uh, products for his own daughters. It just makes him feel uncomfortable. That's the mom's job. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really like, this is this whole discussion. We we have a, uh, what we call a period positive environment at Project Sora, where we all feel really comfortable talking about periods. And many people, when they see me, they say, you're the period lady. <laughs> and when I say, you know, I wear that as a badge of honor. Yes, indeed. <laughs> you I love that I love that and I love that they have a place to go where they can talk about it you know it's accepted exactly exactly it's normal we've got to normalize that another really cool thing that Project Sora has done which is we have partnered with the UNFPA for an awareness raising campaign in Morocco which has now had something like one and a half million uh engagements with it so it's really gone viral and it's the story of Sara who it's an animated story of one minute and the voice of Sara is actually a project sword girl um and you can see her journey right in how like the whole theory of change of providing a girl with period products and how it impacts so much of her life is really showcased in the video. And that they're seeing their their own, they're hearing their own voices and seeing. Exactly, you know? exactly. So, you, I mean, you've talked about the, the dropout rate with your sore girls is low and you yeah. talked about the um, marriage rate drop down. Are there other systematic sustainable changes that you've seen? Yes, absolutely. So uh, I'll mention a couple of them because one of the things that's so important for us is retention in school. And so what we saw, and we're, we're so proud of some of our statistics and so proud of the girls because it's really about them. So for example, in order to go to university, you have to pass a really tough exam, which is called the baccalaureate. And 100% of SOAR eligible 
age girls last year pass the exam. So it's at a much, much higher rate than the national rate, which is something like 66% of all girls, including privileged girls. And 99% of SOAR girls go on to university or higher vocational training. So we, this is so important to us because I think it's a basic issue of feminism, which is to be able to have your own career, right? To be able to really chart your own path, to contribute to your own, to your family, right? To not be dependent on your, your spouse, you know? And, you know, you can imagine if we were to ask men, if we were to kind of stereotype for, for men and say, look, you're a man. So the only jobs that you're eligible for are say, being a policeman or being a fireman or being a garbage collector, like men would just revolt, right? But we so often say that to, to girls, right? And that like, there are jobs that are more suited for them. And their number one job is being a mother, right? How often do we hear for men that their number one job is being a father? Right, so this is really important for us, for girls to have these same opportunities because we feel like this is the dignified way out of poverty. And it's and doing this makes such good economic sense because how can a, an economy grow, right? If, if women can't be empowered to, you know, to be scientists and doctors and journalists and every other career that contributes to making society better. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. Do you observe a difference between the girls that are part of SOAR and the girls in the community that are not? Yes. So this is always very tricky, but like the data of course shows that SOAR girls do better. Right. And that's really important to us because if SOAR girls were not doing better, right, we need to, I need to think about it as the founder. I I need to ask myself, well, what are we doing wrong? And so we really believe that SOAR offers such an important opportunity for empowerment for every girl. And we'd love to see that. My own daughter is a SOAR girl and she says that she uses the SOAR skills all the time, right? So our goal is really for all girls to be able to step into their leadership and believe that they deserve that that they feel like they're valuable, that they feel like they can speak up, that they feel comfortable in their own skin, that they can manage their periods, that they understand their rights and that they're able to chart a course for their futures, right? And when you provide that underpinning for them to co-create and understand those things, right? We call it the sore light bulb, right? It turns on and you look at the world differently. Yeah. And do you, do some of the SOAR girls have friends that are not part of the program? And then there's, of course, of course, or yes, the the SOAR girls are our best recruiters Mm -hmm. as our families. So we always find that every year we run registration in a community. So we're currently in 38 communities across Morocco. We have 38 sites, but we find that when it comes for registration, right, there's a rush for registration because the SOAR girls from one year talked to their friends and were like, oh, you should try to get into Project SOAR. And mothers will say to their neighbors, you know, oh, you've got, an, you've got a girl who's eligible for Project SOAR. You know, you should try to get her in. 
and it costs $2 to register your girl at Project SOAR. Now we are working with families where, you know, girls are living on less than a dollar a day. So $2 is not nothing, but we just want to make it really accessible for, for girls and their families. You bring up a, a, an interesting point that, you know, moms are doing some recruiting, but moms have not necessarily gone through this, but their right. daughters have. Is there kind of a transfer of information or wisdom that goes from daughter to mother? And yes, we have see this, this aha moment? so regularly where moms will say, you know, I, as the mom, I thought it was all about me teaching my daughter, but my daughter very often teaches me. And, but it's not about, it's really about creating an alliance, right? A closer alliance. And I'm so proud that at, at, with Project Swore that girls feel so much more comfortable sharing with their moms and sharing with their dads, right? They have the confidence to, and they know that it's okay, right, to share and to be open. And I know, I know as a mom, that is so, so important to me. I am ready. I tell my kids, I am ready for anything that you have for me, right? But please share, right? Whatever it might be, you know, whatever your challenges might be and your successes, please share that with me and have the confidence that it will be okay to do that. And but it's hard, you know, if you don't, if you don't have that, and I know you having a self-esteem company, mm -hmm. self-esteem is so important. Like if you don't, if you don't have that self-esteem, if you're not feeling good about yourself, right, you are nervous to share with your closest friends, as well as your family, right? And when you're able to tackle directly self-esteem and confidence and personal worth, which is our very first module, right? then you understand, hey, you know, I'm special, just like all of these other sore girls are special, right? And we are deserving and we are worth, you know, sharing where we deserve to take up space. Yeah. Deserve to take up space. That's the biggest aha moment. You know, I think for most girls and women everywhere, um, Okay, so I want to know, you've talked a lot about feminists. You've had a lot of feminists come or talk about your work or shine a light. Um, tell me about that. Some big names. That's just so exciting and just speaks to the spirit of what you do. We have been lucky that way. And, you know, I am... Um... You know, I think that it really is a testament to to the girls and the work of our facilitators all across the country because they're really the backbone for everything that we do. We've we've trained over two hundred women facilitators and and you know who are certified and certified in the SOAR methodology. But um, yes, we have we've caught you know a few names have caught on and. We've had really interesting visits and engagements, and I'll, I'll just mention a few. So we've been lucky enough to have been tapped by Michelle Obama, by, by Meryl Streep, by Gloria Steinem. You know, these are all such important role models for me. But, you know, I really, it's, it's not just about those big names, right? I am so proud whenever, you know, there's, there's some recognition for this work. When I see a sore girl on the news, we've had 
many girls who have been on the national news. We have two, we run, we lead a movement here at Project SOAR called the Bigger Movement, which is an 18 organization strong movement that we lead to uh, close all legal loopholes to child marriage. And that is led by the girls themselves. Mm -hmm. So the girls themselves are meeting with ministers, with parliamentary groups. And I feel like of all the feminists that I am proud to be associated with, it is truly those girl leaders. Yes. Oh my goodness. And they're their own best advocates. You know, when you can open your mouth and find your voice, there's no advocacy like self. It is so true. In fact, recently, um, a delegation of, of the bigger movement of teen girl leaders was meeting with uh, the women ambassadors here in, in Morocco. And they had prepared their presentation. They were flawless. And at the end, the women ambassadors said, these girls, they should be in parliament. <laughs> I said, I know. And they will be. That's the whole thing, right? When you support a girl to step into her leadership, that is truly an investment in a 50 to 60 year productive future. It's the best investment that you can make. Yes. And you help create that. And what does that feel like? All of these things that we just talked about, it was your vision. I mean, I would love to take all the credit for it, but I really must share it with my colleagues because it has been an entire community, right? I was, I have been so lucky to stand side by side with so many volunteers with an incredibly dedicated staff, core staff. We have coordinators that I am so proud to work with. We have these amazing facilitators across the country. You know, there have been hundreds and hundreds of of volunteers. You know, Jen was just one of them, you know. And so this is a truly an experiment in building together. And I'm, I'm happy to have been the catalyst. But now it's really the SOAR nation, which is what we call the virtual nation of people who really, that has no boundaries, who really care for the well-being of teen girls. Yeah, that's, you're very humble, <laughs> but it's very impressive everything that you've done. With the time we have left, how can people find out more about SOAR and, and support what you have started? Yes, absolutely. So Well, of course, you can check out our our website, which is www.projectsword.org and follow us on social media. We'd love to hang out with feminists from across the world on Project Sword. And if you're curious about feminism, that's a great place to be as well. If you're a mom um, who wants to support their daughter, there's so many lovely ideas in there. So follow us at Project Sword on Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, on Facebook. And we have a special opportunity really for people to become allies of Project SOAR. And that's by becoming a SOAR Starlink. So a store, a SOAR Starlink is our monthly club of supporters. And you can get in at $12 a month, which will support a teen girl to take care of all of her menstrual needs for three years. 
right? And every month you get a really fun newsletter, which is the story of one girl that is being impacted. And it's such a concrete way to make a difference, you know, with $12. Um, and of course, you can invest at any amount. But um, I would just, I love the idea of, of allyship, right? Because there are, there is a very direct way that people can support Project SOAR. And I will say that also allyship starts at home. So really look around you and see teen girls with new eyes. You know, teen girls want to be listened to. They want to be mentored. They want to be asked, you know. So I would say that there are opportunities to support a teen girl right where you are. Yeah. In your own community. Yeah. And allyship is, to me, the foundation of feminism. So that was a very good way to come full circle. Uh, I appreciate everything that you had to say and just to give insight of what feminism looks like in another country, you know, because here we, we are talking about, you know, LGBTQ and let's go beyond gender. And um, so just understanding just this worldwide, you know, feminism is more than what happens in the States and sure. think, you know, where, what advocacy is looking like in other places and and so we can become allies so thank you so much of course and let me just say that in many many states in the u.s right girl brides that is still a thing right it is still mm -hmm. legal so this is not just a problem in morocco but i do think that you know, I love the idea of our understanding that this world, we're all connected, right? And you can support a girl across the world and, you know, directly impact her, her future and support a girl in your own community too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It was a joy to talk to you and to meet you finally. Thank you so well, very thank much. Thank you, Heather. It was a real privilege. And I am wishing you the very best of luck with your exciting podcast. And thank you for your commitment to feminism. Oh, thank you, Miriam. That means a lot coming from you. I appreciate that. And I will definitely be in touch. So thank you. Okay, fantastic. Take care, Heather. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. As always, if you like what you heard, Please subscribe and review our podcast anywhere where you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time.